Hey, thanks for joining us for today's sermon. My name is Phil. I'm one of the pastors here at Berean Baptist Church in Mansfield, Ohio. And we would love to help you connect to your next step towards following Jesus. If you visit our website at bereanfamily.com, you can reach out to us. We would love to pray for you and just connect you to the ministries here of what God is doing uh, in our region. And so please check us out there. And here's today's sermon. I've had the privilege of being in wilderness areas in several different places and different countries. And there is a beauty in the wilderness. But as you try to walk through any wilderness, you'll realize quickly something's broken, something's wrong. Weeds are shooting up where good plants ought to be. There are thorns that will grab you as you go through. Can you imagine, if you would, the perfection that was here before mankind sinned? I don't know that we can fully imagine the beauty of living and walking in that garden in comparison to the stark contrast of the reality of living in a sinful and broken world. Friends, ever since that very first sin was committed in that garden, mankind has willfully fallen prey to the seduction of sin. Even in the church, I'm not sure how aware we are of the seductive power of sin. How sin will will downplay its destruction and overemphasize its temporary pleasure. Sin is a destructive force. Sin will lie to you. Sin will destroy you. Sin will cause death and brokenness everywhere that it goes. Everything in the original creation was perfect. It was beautiful. It was good for you. But the desire to become like God proved too much of a temptation. Again, this is what sin does. It understates, it minimizes its destruction and overstates its pleasure. Good morning, everyone. My name is Dan, lead pastor here. I thank you for coming uh, to Brian, whether you're watching online. Thanks for joining us uh, there as well. Uh, we are in a series in Proverbs. Today I'm going to be in Proverbs chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and start turning there now. If you don't, we'll have the text on the screen behind me. Um, and we'd love to give you a Bible if you would like one. Um, there are many things in this life that, that lie to us, right? Uh, there's, there's Lent coming up, right? There's, does anybody know what Fat Tuesday is? I think it's every Tuesday. I'm just saying. So, so there's these donuts called punchkis. You guys know what this is? You can get them around here, but when we lived in Michigan, there's a, there's a, there's a city called Hamtramck, and Hamtramck is like a Polish uh, suburb of Detroit. And when we lived there, people used to go to Hamtramck on Fat Tuesday. There'll be huge lines to get these punchkis, right? Basically, it's a donut stuffed with extra calories, <laughs> right? Uh, we, we got a box here at, um, I don't know, Kroger's or something, Bueller's. And I think in that one, they're like five or 600 calories. The ones you get, the real ones you get in Hamtramck, about 2,000 calories for a donut. And you look at that donut just oozing with caloric goodness. 
And you might think, what's a bite? What's going to hurt if I just have a bite? The next thing you know, you've had about two weeks worth of calories and you don't feel so good. I'll tell you what, that temptation, that, that eating that sweet thing and then, and then feeling the effects later on is a good illustration for sin, isn't it? Oh, you might think, man, what's it going to hurt? What's it going to hurt? I'm just going to dabble a little bit in sin and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back out of it before it gets too bad, before it consumes me. It's like that first bite of sugar in the day. If you have sugar too much, if you're anything like me, you're going to have more. Sin is just like that. Sin is not satisfied with you dabbling in it. Sin wants all of you. And sin doesn't want all of you so that you could have good things and, and enjoy good relationships. Sin wants all of you because sin is intent on destroying you. Church, we have to stop playing with it. We, we have to stop towing the water thinking just a little bit will be okay. It's going to destroy you. And it's going to just destroy the people who are around you. Today we're going to be talking about the seductive power of sin and some of the implications of it. We're going to pray and then I'm going to read the first five verses in Proverbs chapter 7 before we uh, jump into the text this morning. Uh, but I'm going to ask you to pray with me about something specific. Kelly and I uh, had some friends. We lived a couple years in Texas and... Uh, um, uh, friends of ours yesterday were in a terrible car accident. Uh, Mark, uh, who is a pastor, now he's a retired Air Force chaplain, passed out while he was driving, hitting a guardrail, killing his wife and his uh, 18-year-old daughter. So, Brandy and Hannah. So, I just want to pray for Mark today. I, I can't even imagine. He was already talking this morning about the guilt that he feels. Um, and their other daughter, Grace. So would you join me in praying for them and for our service this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, it is, it is indeed a privilege to be able to come to you with our joy, with our praise, with our adoration, and with our brokenness and heartbreak. God, I pray for Mark and I pray for Grace and the rest of their family, God. That's unimaginable heartbreak. God, would you guard Mark from feeling guilt to something that he could not have controlled? God, would you somehow invade their lives and give them peace that is beyond understanding? Would you comfort them in the knowledge that both Brandy and Hannah are with you in paradise forever? God, for us today, would you speak in and through me, through your word? Would a result of, of this going to your text uh, be that we become more like you? God, would we be more aware of the seductive power of sin and its destruction, and its deadly force. God, would we take steps to walk in holiness, being set apart? Would we become more like You, and in doing so, become more righteous as we, as we continue to put on Your righteousness in this process of sanctification, this growth that happens from the time we are, we, we are born in You as a follower of You to the time we meet You in paradise. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Proverbs 7, 1 through 5. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. 
Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call insight your intimate friend. To keep you from, for, from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. Solomon says three times, basically, keep my words, keep my commandments, keep my teaching. He's telling his son here in this text, listen to what I am telling you. This is wisdom. This is going to help you become more like God. This is more, like, more godly in your life. This is what's going to help you progress and live a life that is good and honoring to God. And it's important enough to where you should bind it around your finger, write it on the tablet of your heart, memorize what I'm telling you. Hide this truth in your heart because you're going to need it because sin is at the door. Hide these truths. Hide this wisdom in your heart because sin is always there. The, the adulteress here is a metaphor for the allurement of sin. So in this text, as we're reading about the adulteress and what she does to seduce the, the, the young man, keep in mind this is a metaphor for the allurement of sin. And because of that, this is applicable to every single one of us. Did you know every single one of us, if we are not careful, if we do not take this teaching and the commandments and, and hide it in our hearts, we too will fall prey to the seduction of sin. Now your sin and my sin, they might look a little bit, a little bit different, but sin is sin. And we need to be careful and guard ourselves against it. The main idea this morning as we're going to this text is this. Be aware. Friends, be aware. Sin is at your doorstep seeking to trap you with its momentary pleasures. Sin is at your doorstep seeking to trap you with its momentary pleasures. But friends, sin, sin is going to destroy you if you are not careful. My first point this morning is this. Given the right perspective, you can see it coming. Given the right perspective, you can see sin coming. You know, in, um, I, I'm going I'm to get mad at myself every time I say this, but I'm going to say it again. In Alaska, <laughs> you go moose hunting, and, and pretty much everybody hunts moose the same way. You, you float a river, and you find the highest ridge you can find, and you, you climb up onto the highest part of the highest ridge, and you glass, you get out binoculars or a spotting scope, and you sit there and carefully look through all of the, uh, the other cover. Now you might say, it's, how hard can it be to find a 2,000 pound moose? Well, if it's right in front of you, not too hard, but sometimes they, they, they move quieter than you would think, and they have good camouflage at a distance. So you have to carefully kind of scan the horizon looking for that moose. Listen to verses 6 and 9 of Proverbs 7. Uh, for at the window of my house, I have looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple. I have perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. Solomon had through his window a perspective. He had a view of what was going on. This perspective that Solomon has comes from experience and it comes from wisdom. Solomon could see trouble coming before the youth, the simple youth. Now many of us in this room have 
lived a decent number of years, some more than others. But age doesn't always equal wisdom. Life lived, I'm sorry, but life lived learning lessons of mistakes and trials can produce a wise perspective. So years can equal wisdom just so long as we've learned at every chance we can get. There's just more opportunities to learn from our mistakes the older we get. Now Solomon applied the lessons he learned in his life to be able to see that the young man in this story was flirting with trouble just for being in the neighborhood of sin. He was passing along the street near her corner. There's a lesson here for us, guys. If sin is over here, you go that way. There's too many of us, there's too many of us that think we can live right here next door to sin and walk away unscathed. Friends, that's a lie. Get away from it. I can just look a little bit at this, or I can just talk a little bit about this subject, or I could, listen, get away from sin. Don't even enter into her neighborhood. Don't even enter into her neighborhood. Solomon could see the trouble coming just by the proximity of the young men to sin and to the seductress. Not only was the young man in the wrong place, it was the wrong time. He was there in the evening at the time of night and darkness. Going to the wrong place at the wrong time, he's already almost ready to lose this battle with sin. Church, there's lessons here for us in this story. Don't go there. Don't flirt with sin. Don't think because of the years you've had as a follower of Christ that you can, you can, be, you can be close to sin at the wrong place and the wrong time, but everything will be okay. Just stay away from her and guard your heart. With accumulated wisdom, we can see what's really happening and we can avoid flirting with sin. But we have to be aware of our surroundings. We have to be aware of the circumstances. We need to be aware of who, are, who is around us. Are, are we with people who are, are, are goading us and saying, hey, let's go over here. Let's hang out over here. You don't have to partake, but let's just hang out close by. You, you can just be with us while we partake in sin. You're flirting with disaster. You're flirting with disaster. Friends, don't be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Be aware. Sin is at your doorstep seeking to trap you with its momentary pleasures. The second point. There is a temporary pleasure in sin. This is, this is why it's so dangerous and so deadly. There is a temporary pleasure with sin. You, you know the saying, go back to those little punchkis. What well, if you finish a statement? A moment, uh, a moment on the lips, a lifetime on the right. That's what it's saying. Yeah, this will be good for a minute. You're going to regret it later, right? That's what sin does. Listen to verses ten through twenty in chapter seven. And behold, the woman meets him dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him. And with bold face she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices. Today I have paid my vows. 
So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with earth, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. The adulteress speaks of the pleasure that they will have. She's selling the pleasure that's going to take place. All the while she downplays the chance that they're going to get caught her husband's away. And you can almost see this young man thinking this would be a pleasurable time and maybe we won't get caught, so what harm will it do? Sin always lies by convincing you that her pleasure will be without penalty or will outweigh her penalty. It's a lie every time. It's a lie every time. Sin also lies by convincing you that it will only be for a time. She says when her husband returns at the next full moon. Sin is never satisfied with a season of your life. It wants all of you forever. Sin wants all of you forever. Sin will never be satisfied with just a season. Because when that season comes to a close, a new season will be on the horizon. And sin wants you, all of you, forever. In a world that tries to convince us that momentary pleasure is best, be a people that play the long game. A people who are okay with delaying gratification. Delayed gratification and holiness are far better than momentary pleasure and the price that they cost. I'm going to say that again. Delayed gratification and holiness being set apart from the world are far better than momentary pleasure and the price that they cost. Sin is a liar. Sin's desire for you is destruction. This adulteress in this story, a metaphor for sin, a metaphor for not walking in wisdom of God, the, the, the desire of this sin isn't just a season. The desire of sin for you is your destruction. Stop playing around with sin. Be aware, sin is at your doorstep, seeking to trap you with its momentary pleasures. Third point is this, the allure of sin has ensnared many people. Many people here. And friends, you aren't the first you aren't sin's first conquest. You can think of so many stories of people who have been taken out by sin, even in the church, maybe even especially in the church. Sin hasn't really changed its tactics. It wants to convince you that life in sin is better than life in godly wisdom. Do not believe her lie. Do not believe her lie. You ever go uh, bass fishing and have a fishing lure? One that looks just like a little minnow? You ever think about, they make these little minnows, they move through the water, look just like a little fish. Kind of how cruel that is, right? You cast it out, there's some bass just hanging out with this little bass family in the bottom of a pond. Probably having a little bass Bible study. And here comes dinner. We were just praying for food. 
here comes dinner, just kind of swimming by. And the bass says, I'll be right back. I'm going to get dinner. And boom, grabs a hold of that minnow that realizes now that it's plastic and something hurts a little bit. As the hook penetrates the lips of the bass. This is what sin does to you. It says, look over here. This is going to be good. You're going to enjoy this. This is going to make you feel better. This is going to take care of your problems. And then you sink your teeth into sin only to find that it was all a trap. That it was all a lie. And it's going to lead to your destruction. Verses 20, um, Proverbs 21 through 23. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her. As an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver, as a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. Friends, heed the warning, it will cost you your life. It starts with this young man being in the wrong place, in the wrong time. Then it progresses to him listening to sin's seductive talk. He was in that wrong place. He was in at the wrong place at the wrong time. And he gave ear. He listened to the seduction and the seductive talk of the adulteress. The seductive talk of sin makes you believe that she will satisfy much like that lure to the fish. What comes next is pain, destruction, and death. That is what sin does. Listen to the ox and the, and the, and the uh, bird and, and the stag. An arrow piecing the stag's liver. I don't know if you know this or not, but an arrow going through the liver of a deer is not the ideal place. An arrow that pierces the liver of a deer means that the deer is going to suffer for probably 24 more hours before it dies a painful and horrible death. It's not a right away kind of thing. It's painful. A bird in a snare gets caught in a snare and has to wait for hours, sometimes day, before somebody comes by and, and sees that it's in the snare and kills it. It's a slow and horrible death. The ox gone to slaughter. Listen, this was written a thousand years before Jesus. Not a lot of guns. Not a pleasant way to die for the ox. Sin doesn't just take you out. Sin makes you suffer before you go. Be aware of our seductive power. Be aware sin is at your doorstep seeking to trap you with its momentary pleasures. My next point is this. There is an extreme consequence once that hook is set. There is an extreme consequence once that hook is set. You know, um, we used to do a lot of fishing for salmon and for um, trout. And trout, uh, rainbow trout, I was only catch and release. They call it the gentleman's fish. You don't keep a rainbow, a wild rainbow trout. If you do, shame on you, all right? You could laugh there, but you know, it's good that you didn't because shame on you if you're keeping a, a wild-caught rainbow trout. But with a rainbow trout, we would use hooks that don't have barbs on them. And the reason for that is so we could release them easily. 
But with salmon, we used hooks with big barbs on them. And salmon wouldn't, when we would fish for them in the river, they wouldn't come out and eat the bait. They were simply just swimming through the river, and you'd put weight on your line just so it would be at the right depth. So when the salmon, the stupid salmon swings, swims by with its mouth open, it hits the line, we call it flossing them, it hits the line with its mouth and draws close the, or the, the hook, which will then hook them from the outside of their jaw. And because of the barb, you knew you had them. Now can I tell you, just by that salmon being there, even, lots of times we didn't get it right, and you'd hook the salmon in the tail, or you'd hook the salmon uh, on its back. Either way, however you hooked them, oftentimes they're not coming off that hook until you get them to shore. And at that point, it's just too late for the salmon. Church, if we're in the wrong place in the wrong time, if we're flirting with sin, once that hook is set, destruction is about to happen. And with that destruction, there's an extreme consequence. Listen to verses 24 through 27. And now, O sons, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. This is the penalty and the destruction that is caused by sin. But sin is also a heart issue. It's not just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's a desire to be there. Don't give your heart to the lies of the adulteress. Don't give your heart to the lies of the adulteress. Many people have had their lives ruined by falling for the seduction of sin. Don't join their ranks. Don't do it. Friends, the penalty of sin is severe and the penalty of sin is final. Don't flirt with sin. Be aware. Sin is at your doorstep, seeking to trap you with its momentary pleasures. But friends, I'm beyond excited to tell you that even if you've been ensnared by sin, even if you have been trapped by that adulteress, there is a way out. There is a way to escape that penalty that is before you. And this is my final point. Who will pay the penalty for our sin? The cold hard truth is we have all taken the bait of the enemy. And now there is a serious problem that every man, woman, and child faces. The good news of the Gospel is that God sent His Son to pay the penalty of sin for all who believe. Listen to the following verses that we make up what we call the Romans Road. We're taking a, a group of people through this Life on Mission class, and, and in that class we're teaching again this Romans Road. Many of you know it, but I'm going to read it anyways. These are, these are words that will bring life to all those who have been trapped by the snare of sin. Romans 3.23 reminds us, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Friends, whoever it is that is in your seat, that's who this is talking about. All have sinned. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. What is a wage? It's something that you have earned. Something that you have labored for. You deserve this. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is a gift? 
something that is given to you that you did not earn, something that is given to you that you do not deserve. You didn't earn it, and you, don't do, you didn't do anything to earn it, you don't do anything to keep it. It's a gift given to you freely. Romans 5.8, But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Go back to Proverbs 7. This guy's in the wrong place. He's, at the, he's there at the wrong time. He, he listens to the seduction coming from the adulteress. He follows her into his destruction. And it is during that time, it is during that sin, is what this text says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Don't go there at that time. Don't go there at all. Don't listen to what she's saying. It's going to destroy you. In that moment, Christ died for us. Romans 10, 9 and 10, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Friends, if you have been caught by the snare, if you've fallen prey to the seduction of sin, there is a great and terrible punishment awaiting you. And our text in Romans here in 3.23 reminds us that that's all of us. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, every single one of us. Solomon warns his son, listen, if you do this, there's going to be destruction. It's going to be severe and it's going to be final. But God says, I get the last word. I'm going to send my son Jesus to go die on the cross. And if you would follow him, if you would be the Lord of your life, if you would confess that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Friends, if you're a Christian, that should just make you so excited. If you're not a Christian, it should make you want to be one. In just a moment, we're going to be taking the Lord's Supper. It's something that we do once a month as we remember the terrible price that was paid on our behalf as we take the Lord's Supper together. I'm going to ask the guys to go ahead now and start passing those out, the elements out as we begin to kind of close here. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I hope, I hope that you've called on the name of the Lord. I, I hope that's you. And if it's not you, I want to give you the opportunity to do just that today. I want you guys to bow our heads and close your eyes once the, once the elements have passed by. It's going to be real hard to do it beforehand. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank You for this reminder today of the seriousness of sin, the consequences of sin, the destruction of sin, the seduction of sin. Thank You for reminding us that sin's desire for us is our destruction. But God, thank You. Thank You for providing this incredible way out thank you for going and paying that price on our behalf for everyone in this room if you're in this room right now and you've not accepted jesus to be your lord and savior and you'd like to do that i just want you to slip up your hand nobody's going to be looking around at you i'm not going to call you down front
Just slip up your hand if you say, listen, I, I want to accept the forgiveness of Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for what you've done in our lives. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. And I thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. These elements that are being passed out to you are in stacked cups. And you have to pull them apart. And the one on the bottom will have the little uh, wafer. They're all gluten-free, so you're not going to need that. In just a moment when we're done, if you could take those cups and throw them in the, in the garbage as, on your way out, we'd, we'd very much appreciate that so we can be ready for the next service uh, as soon as we get to that time. You know, we take this, these elements remembering, remembering that terrible price that was paid on our behalf. Sin is serious. It's deadly. It's destructive. And we see what it's cost. As we take these elements together, we remember how Jesus was mocked, how He was betrayed, how the very people who he came to save cried, crucify him. We also remember our guilt in this. But we don't stay in the guilt for long because we recognize the power of what has taken place. That now as God the Father sees us, as, the, as we are followers of Jesus Christ, he doesn't see us in our sin. He sees the righteousness of his Son. And as we take these elements today, we remember those things and those truths. 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23-26. through 26. Everybody, Is there anybody still waiting for uh, elements? It says this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed took bread. And we had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. In the same way also, He took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood. Do this as often as you drink it. God, we thank You. We thank You, God, that through taking these elements, we remember the price that was paid for our sin. God, help us to go this morning and sin no more. We love You and praise You. In Jesus' name, Amen.